Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text from Luke chapter 10, verse 27. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. So far our text. I love this interchange between this lawyer and Jesus. We're told this lawyer is going to put Jesus to the test. Uh, what's new for lawyers, huh? And uh, he asked the question, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Which is a great question, because you and I have that same one, right? What shall we do to have eternal life? And in Jesus' typical fashion, he doesn't answer the question. Instead, he turns it back onto the lawyer, and he says, well, what does the law say? How do you read it? What's your answer? And the lawyer gets it right. I don't know whether he knew it ahead of time, and he was just seeing whether Jesus knew it or what. But here's the lawyer. He says, you, love the, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Probably the second most well-known passage of Scripture next to John 3.16, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, so on. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says, you're right. Do that. Then the lawyer asks a second question. It says, desiring to justify himself. And I'm wondering, what is he trying to justify here when he asks, who is my neighbor? I kind of get the idea, well, maybe there are certain people he doesn't want to be their neighbor because he doesn't want to love them, you know. And uh, so he's trying to justify his lack of love over here with his love over here somewhat. I don't know. And Jesus doesn't answer that question either. He doesn't say, well, so-and-so and so-and-so is your neighbor, or these people or those people are your neighbor. He starts telling a parable. Well, let me tell you about this guy, he says, you know. And we go into the parable of the Good Samaritan. And Jesus never answers the question, who is this lawyer's neighbor? Which probably tells me that he asked the wrong question. Because I would have never asked the question, who is my neighbor? After, respond, after getting this response, you shall love the Lord your God and your neighbor is yourself. My question is the one Jesus answers. Because when I hear that, my question is not, well, who's my neighbor? My question is, well, how do I do that? How do I love God with my whole heart, mind, soul, strength, all of that? And how do I love my neighbor as myself? How do I do that? If that's what it is for salvation, to inherit eternal life, then how do I do that? And that's the question Jesus answers. So I know I've got the right question. Okay, So let's take a look at that. As you look at your outline, we want to look at loving God and loving our neighbor. What does this involve? Well, as you look at that passage, you shall love the Lord your God with, your whole, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind. The first thing that comes to my mind is it involves your whole being. You can't just compartmentalize your faith in God over here in one corner and it doesn't affect all of this life, but it affects everything about you. Heart, soul, mind, strength, 
It involves your whole being. To love God is not a part of your life. It is your life. Every aspect of your life is involved in loving God. Now here's where I like the fact that they tied this scripture passage with our Old Testament and our epistle lesson because our Old Testament and epistle lesson really help us understand what God is getting at here with this love him, heart, soul, mind, strength, love neighbor as self. Because as you look at the Colossians passage, for example, Paul talks about this loving God. He says, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all of the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Number one in loving God, in involving our whole being in loving God, is faith in Christ Jesus. That's number one. To trust in Christ as our Savior. To know that he suffered and died to take away our sins so that we may have eternal life. You see, if the original question is, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Number one in that is a faith in Jesus because that's where eternal life comes from. Is in that. Paul will conclude this text with giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Here's the heart and center of the answer. Faith in Christ Jesus. And if you don't have that faith, if you reject Jesus as your Savior, then you don't love God. You cannot love God. It is through that faith that love of God flows as we understand how God's love has come to us in Jesus Christ. And then Paul goes on and he says, From the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. Now here's the things he's praying for. Listen to this. Asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And then again, increasing in the knowledge of God. Knowledge of God's will is part of loving God. To know our God, to know his will for us. To be in his word, to study what are his commandments, what are his promises, what is his will for us in our lives, to search out God's will so that we know it, but not just so that we have a knowledge of God's will, that's important, but then Paul goes on to say, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, not only as of having a knowledge of God's will, but living God's way according to that will. Not just to have it up here, but to apply it. Again, if it involves our whole being, this loving of God, we can't just take God's will and say, okay, I know what that is. Now I'm going to do what I want. 
That's not loving God with your whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. You find out what God's will is. You have a knowledge of that, and then you take and you use that to live for him. You use that to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord that's pleasing to him. You make your life decisions based on that will. You let his word guide your life so that you bear fruit in every good work. It's what it is to love God. And then he ties it with loving others as well. Your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all of the saints. Loving others is a part of loving God. If God loved everybody enough to send his son to die for them, should we not also love them too? And if we do not love them, then we do not really love God the way we should. So the loving of others, the love of others as yourself, the love your neighbor as yourself is a part of the loving of God. It's part of how we do that with our whole being. That's true also in our Old Testament lesson where the Lord again and again after each one of these descriptive laws about what they're not to do to other people, he says, I am the Lord your God. I am the Lord. I am the Lord. Again and again, I am the Lord. You do this because of your faith and your love for God. That's the heart and center of it again. That faith in Christ enables us to love God by knowing his will, living by his way, and by loving others. Sharing that love with them. And how do we do that? That's what Jesus answers in the parable of the Good Samaritan. Let me tell you, he says, there's this guy, he's been beaten, he's lying on the side of the road. This guy comes along, what does he do? It says he has compassion on him. Loving our neighbor involves compassion. Compassion on other people, caring about them as God cares about them. And in that compassion, then what does he do? He stops. He binds up his wounds. He puts him on his animal. He takes him to town. He gets him a room in a hotel. There it says he takes care of him. I imagine he cleans up the wounds better than he could out on the street. He bandages them all up. Maybe he gets him a meal or two. You know, takes him cleans him up, all of that kind of stuff. He makes him comfortable, takes care of his needs. And then the next day as he has to leave, he reaches into his pocket, he pulls out some money, he gives to the innkeeper, he says the guy still needs to be taken care of. You take care of it. If this isn't enough, when I come back, I'll, I'll make it right with you. The guy shows mercy to this guy fallen by thieves. That's how you treat your neighbor. That's what you do. That's how you love others as you love yourself. That's how we do that. By providing for them. Providing what they need at the time of need. 
Isn't that what God is talking about in all of these laws that he sets up in Leviticus in our Old Testament lesson? When he talks about when you harvest your land, don't go to the edges, leave some. Don't pick up all of the grain that falls on the ground, leave some of that. If there's grapes in the vineyard that fall down, don't don't clean it clean. Leave some. Why do you leave some? Well, in that society, you did that so that the poor could come into your fields after you were done harvesting and find something to eat. When they couldn't pay for it, they could glean it out from the fields and have something. Provide for your neighbor. That's what that's all about there. And then all of these do not, you know, you shall not steal, do not deal falsely with them, do not lie, not oppress your neighbor or rob him. You don't do injustice to them or hate them. Second thing, you're not taking advantage of them. You help them and you don't take advantage of those in need, of those who are struggling. Put the positives on this instead. You work with them you don't steal from them but you help provide you help them provide you don't rob them or anything but you help them get a living you don't impress them instead you lift them up you don't deal falsely you deal truthfully with them that's all working with them to help them in their life that's what neighbors do for each other You reason frankly with your neighbor. You work with them in order to love them. To provide what they need. To be God's instrument of love for them. Those are the kinds of things that we do to love our neighbor as ourselves. Can we do that? Can we love God in that way? Can we love our neighbor in that way? Doesn't sound that difficult to do, does it? We can do this. Do we do it? Well, that's another story, isn't it? We do not always do this. That's why Paul prays Back in the epistle lesson, may you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. That's why he said, God says in Leviticus, you shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people. You see, God knows that we can't do or we don't do this on our own. We, we could But we don't. Because of our sinfulness, because of our self-centeredness, we don't do this as we should. God knows that. That's why Jesus came, isn't it? To bring forgiveness for us when we don't love him as we should, when we don't love our neighbor as we should. That's why Christ came to fill us as he did these two little children with the Holy Spirit in holy baptism so that they may have a strength from God to help them do these things. To live out that faith that he creates in them. 
God knows that we need to forgive one another as he has forgiven us because we don't love each other as we should and we sin against one another. God's love and forgiveness covers our needs the times we fail. God's love and forgiveness empowers us to do better all of the time to love God with our whole heart soul, strength, and mind, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. We don't do this alone. Thank God for that. And so today I would say to you, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. Or as Jesus would say, you go and do likewise. Amen. And now may the peace of God which passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In the one who can empower you and enable you to love God in this way and to love your neighbor as yourself. Amen.